بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين All praise and thanks belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may the peace and blessing of Allah be upon his servant and final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam As thought follows my dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from us, to keep us firm and steadfast upon Iman until the day we meet him. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept our gathering and to forgive our shortcomings and our sins. My brothers and sisters in Islam, there is no doubt that we are living in times in where things are very unclear and confusing for many people. We are living in times of fitan, tests, tribulations, trials. We are living in times of ignorance. Ignorance has perhaps overtaken the world. We are living in times of oppression and corruption. There is no doubt about this. And there is no doubt that this entire ordeal of the coronavirus, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and save us. And alongside with whatever comes with it of lockdowns and police brutality towards the people that are supposed to be protecting, all of this entire ordeal has no doubt become a calamity and a fitna upon entire societies. Fitan, in where people don't know what is right from wrong anymore. And people don't know the wrong from the right. People are in need of guidance and direction during times of fitan and calamity. And it is, of course, upon al-ulama, the scholars of Islam and the students of knowledge, to direct the people towards the good. Not only that, but to also direct them away from the bad and away from the fitan. And there is nothing better to turn to than the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in light of the understanding of As-Salaf Al-Salih Rahimahumullah when we say the word As-Salaf we mean by this the pious predecessors which means the first three in some narrations four the first three or four generations that came after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so that is the time of the companions, al-Sahaba, the times of At-Tabi'een, those who came after the companions, and At-Tabi'een, those who came after them. The Qur'an and the Sunnah must be understood according to their understanding because they understood the deen and the religion better than anyone else. So there is nothing better to turn to the Qur'an and to the Sunnah for answers and direction and guidance in times of calamity and in times of fitan. And of course, you know that we know that the biggest fitna that will ever happen on earth is the fitna of Ad-Dajjal. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa teaches us that the first 10 ayat of Surah Al-Kahf protect a person from the greatest fitna on earth, which is Ad-Dajjal. Therefore, the first 10 ayat of Surah Al-Kahf are enough to protect us from every fitna out there 
Because no matter what fitna we ever experience in life, it is going to be nowhere near fitna al-dajjal. It'll always be less than fitna al-dajjal. So imagine with me, my brothers and sisters in Islam, if 10 ayat of Surah Al-Kahf was enough to protect a person from the harm and the evil of a Dajjal, imagine then the entire Quran. What kind of protection is it going to give a person? Imagine the entire Quran you are to read and understand and adhere to its teachings and keep away from that which it taught us to keep away from. How much protection will a person have and how much firmness will he have upon his deed? So the question is, how do we manage ourselves in times of fitan and calamities? What is expected from the believer during times of calamity and fitan? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in Surah Sabah, وَإِنِ اِهْتَدَيْتُ فَبِمَا يُوحِي إِلَيَّ رَبِّي Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, and if I, meaning in Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if I was to ever be guided on any matter in life, What's the reason? It's because of what Allah has revealed to me. Allahu Akbar. There we go. <clears throat> any guidance you want in life for any matter you're facing, Al-Quran is going to give you that direction and that guidance. Wazir ibn Hubayra, rahimahullahu ta'ala, he said that the first thing the shaytan does is to turn the people away from the Quran. Because he knows this is where their guidance is. So the further away you find yourself from the Qur'an and the direction and the guidance of the Qur'an, the closer you are to the evil plan and the plot and the evil whispering of a shaitan. And the closer you are to the Qur'an, definitely, no doubt about it, you are closer to guidance and closer to that which pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, as I said, the more we move away from the Qur'an, the more we misguided we, may, we become. The more we hate each other, the more we curse each other, the more we make these fitan and calamities upon us a reason to hate each other and curse each other. Calamities and fitan are supposed to unite the Muslims together. And it is supposed to join the Muslims together so that they can remind each other and they can advise each other. This is what times of fitan and calamity do. But when we are far away from the Quran, we are going to see more hatred and we're going to see more cursing and slandering and insult and abuse towards, towards each other. وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was asked by Hudhayfa radiyallahu anhu, Hudhayfa radiyallahu anhu, he is known, he was the companion that knew the most ahadith about the fitan that will come at the end of time. So he asked the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulallah, هَلْ بَعْدَ هَذَا الْخَيْرِ الَّذِي نَحْنُ فِيهِ مِنْ شَرٍ نَحْذَرُهُ He said, Ya Rasulallah, is there going to come evil and corruption after this good time that we are living in right now? Hudhayfa radiyallahu anhu, when he was with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it was good times. There's Rasulul Huda was with us. The messenger of guidance and the prophet of Islam is among us. So it was good times. So Hudhayfa radiallahu anhu had a worry. He had a concern. He 
he said, Ya Rasulullah, after this good time that we're living, are we going to experience any evil and corruption and wickedness on earth? Is this time going to come? Should there be anything that we are concerned of that you're supposed to warn us about? Listen to what the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said. He did not answer him. He did not say to him, yes, an evil time is going to come. Nor did he say, no, it's not going to come. He answered him in an intelligent way. He answered him by giving him a solution that if you were to adhere to, you will always be saved and protected from any corruption so long as you adhere to this solution of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to him, Ya Hudayfa, alayka bi kitabillah, ta'allamhu wa attabi' ma fihi khayran lak. He said, O oh Hudayfa, commit yourself to the Qur'an, to the word of Allah. Fata'allamhu, go and learn it. Seek knowledge and learn it. Wa attabi' ma fihi. And follow the guidance that is found within this book, Khairan Lak. It'll be much better for you. How many of us now want something that is much better for us than the state we are living in today? There's the solution. Al-Quran and the guidance and the instructions found in the Quran are better for you than anything else that is out there that is trying to claim that is that it is of guidance and direction to people. So an intelligent response from our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, as though he's saying to Hudayfa, he's telling him, even if times of evil and corruption do arrive, here's what you need to know. Commit to the Quran, learn it, follow its instructions, it'll be better for you. And we as Muslims, in Adhkaru al-Sabah al-Masa, the supplication of the morning of the afternoon, every single day, we repeat this phrase three times, which is, رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينَا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ نَبِيًّا This is what we repeat every day in the morning and in the afternoon, that's six times a day. You know what this means? When you said, رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا I am pleased with Allah as my Lord. I am pleased with Islam as my religion. I am pleased with the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as my Prophet. You repeat this six times. Meaning, the question is, are you honest in what you're saying? If you're honest in the fact that Islam is your deen, then abide by its guidance and its teachings. If you're honest that Allah is your Lord, then follow His commands and keep away from His prohibitions. And if you're honest that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is your messenger, you're not only saying he's my messenger, you're saying I am pleased that he is my messenger. I am pleased with Islam as my deen. Are you honest? Are you honest that you are pleased and satisfied and content and happy that Islam is your deen? If that is the case, then... That should be your only source of guidance, Al-Islam, Al-Qur'an, and the guidance of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. How can a believer say, Radiitu bil-Islam deena, I am pleased and happy and content and satisfied with Islam as my deen, and then there is no Islam in his life. He doesn't turn to the Qur'an in times of trials and tribulations and fitan. 
For my brothers and sisters in Islam, this is something we must understand. Our guidance comes from the Quran, from Sunnah al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, let me get into this topic. And I want to first begin by saying that I know the people are being tested in their faith and they are being tested in their worldly matters. So that means their incomes, their jobs, and their businesses. And especially here, a message to my brothers and sisters in Islam that are living and residing in Sydney, in Melbourne, in basically in Australia, where they continuously experience lockdowns. Every few months, there is a lockdown. And then of course, around the world, people have been affected by this coronavirus, by these lockdowns in terms of their worldly affairs. How many thousands and thousands of businesses around the world have closed? People have lost their jobs. People have lost their incomes. People are being tested in their world. And then people are being tested in their faith. The masajid are being closed. Congregational prayers are being banned. Salat al-Jum'ah is closed as well. And this affects the people of Iman. People that have an ounce of Iman in them, this affects them. So let me make it clear that I don't want to share a message here about being tested in worldly matters, or especially these business matters and loss of income, loss of job. Why? I'm not too concerned about this. I'm concerned more about the, the, the faith of people, our faith, our Iman, our relationship with Allah. And I'll tell you why I'm not concerned too much about worldly affairs even though it's something important, of course. But at the end of the day, us believers, we have a different attitude towards our worldly affairs, especially our financial affairs. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned, min la yahtasib, that Allah azza wa provides for us. For the one who fears Allah, Allah provides for him from unexpected ways. How many times has Allah provided for you? How old are you now? And Allah continues to provide for you. So I'm sure that the believer doesn't doubt that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help and care for him is always there. No matter what kind of tough scenario he goes through in life and what business and what job and what income he loses. And we know that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَن تَمُوتَ نَفْسٌ حَتَّى تَسْتَكْمِلَ رِزْقَهَا That not a single soul will die. This is from among humans and animal kind as well. No one would die until he has completed his rizq, until he has completely taken for himself what Allah has decreed of provision and sustenance for him. And I am also certain that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will replace all your worldly losses, all your financial losses that are worrying you and stressing you out just reflect over the story of Ayyub alayhi salam. He was locked in his house, sick for 18 years, he couldn't move. And yet after this entire 18 years of sickness, Allah Azza wa replaced for him his family and his wealth. So these worldly losses, as a result of these lockdowns and so on, I have firm belief ta'ala that Allah Azza wa will replace them and will replace them with something much better ta'ala. Just have good thought in Allah and be optimistic and be positive. 
he used to love being optimistic and positive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-akram. Iqra wa rabbuka al-akram. You know what al-akram means? Al-akram means the one who gives abundantly without having taken anything in the first place. That's al-akram. He gives and gives and gives even though he did not take anything from you in the first place. Allah Azza wa Jal is al-akram. Allah Azza wa Jal gives us not because we deserve it, but because he's al-akram, the most generous subhanahu wa ta'ala. So your incomes, your jobs, your businesses, all of that of the worldly and financial matters in life that have been affected because of this virus and the lockdowns and so on, it's fine. Allah Azza wa Jal ta'ala will replace it for you. Have high hope, be positive, and certain and optimistic that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would reward you for these losses if you are patient and he will replace them for you ta'ala. That's not my concern. My concern here and the greater concern I have is for our faith, our deen, the struggle to remain firm and steadfast upon la ilaha illallah. My concern is about our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never ever let whatever is happening around you to interfere with your faith negatively and never allow it to interfere with your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a negative manner. Rather, rather, the believer in times of fitan and extreme hardship must increase his iman and must remain committed and firm upon la ilaha illallah. And the question to you, my brothers and sisters in Islam is, why does Allah test the believers? Why? Aren't the believers people upon the truth? They worship Allah. They obey the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They read the Quran. Isn't Allah Azzawajal able to give the believers a happy, stress-free life? A life free of calamities? Isn't Allah Azzawajal able to give the believers victory with the word kun? Wallahi, he is able to do so. He is able to give us a life in the same manner he gave Adam السلام, in the paradise. A life of happiness and tranquility and peace. Stress-free, calamity-free, fitan-free. So why doesn't Allah give this to the believers on earth? Why the tests? Why the fitan? And why the trials? And why they are harsh and extreme upon the believers especially. You see, my brothers and sisters in Islam understand with me very carefully that the heart of the believer only wakes up and it comes to life during times of calamity. And so faith increases during the times of calamity. Faith in a believer increases exponentially during times of calamity. Allahu Akbar. This is how the heart was created. You see, our body, our body, it gets its energy and strength from our sleep, when we rest, when we eat, when we drink. But the heart, it gets its iman. It gets its strength and firmness upon la ilaha illallah during calamities and tribulations. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed hardships and calamities upon the believers. So that at the end of their journey in this life, they will meet Allah azza wa jal with hearts 
that have been charged with Iman and certainty in Allah Azza wa Jal, they will meet Allah with hearts that are firm and steadfast upon La ilaha illallah. When a believer is being tested, it's like him swimming against the wave. You know, when one, when a person swims against huge waves, he comes out with two things, with a strong heart that overcomes the fears of the wave. And he also comes out stronger in his body, in his muscles, because he fought the waves. And in the exact same manner, during calamities, the believers come out with a strong heart, stronger faith in Allah And they come out pure, having been cleansed from their sins and elevated ranks in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The believer comes out from a calamity stronger than when he came into the calamity. Yani, this is you, this is the calamity, and this is you after the calamity. The believer comes out from the calamity stronger than stronger than he was before the calamity. Now, now I'm telling you the calamity is a moment in where the believer's iman is strengthened and it's increased. And just so like a basketball, you know, the basketball, the harder you strike it to the ground, the higher up it goes. So think of this strike of the basketball as the intense calamity that comes down upon you. And then the harder it's hit on the floor, the higher up it goes. This is the Iman of the believer. Similar to that kind of, يعني, giving an easy understanding so you can understand what effect a harsh and extreme intense calamity should have on the Iman of a believer. So understand my brothers and sisters in Islam really well that Allah Azza made tests and calamities an integral part of a believer's life and uh, a part of the life of those who want to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, طيب. Uh, let me share with you the hadith of Khabbab ibn al-Arat radiyallahu anhu so we can understand the meaning of intense calamities. Khabbab radiyallahu anhu, he came to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, Shakawna ila rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وهو متوسد ببرده له ببردة له في ظل الكعبة. خباب رضي الله عنه says the hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari. We complained to the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم while he was at the Kaaba and he was laying down at the Kaaba. So he had like a, a black sort of pillow that is in the shape of a square. That's بردهه and he was laying on it next to the Kaaba. Khabbab came to him. This is at the beginning of Islam when the believers were being were experiencing intense calamities and torture on the hands of the disbelievers in Quraysh. They said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ala tastansiru lana? Why don't you seek help for us? Ala tad'ullaha lana? Why don't you make dua to Allah that he relieve us from these calamities? Fannabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam got up and look what he answered sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said to them, كان الرجل في من قبلكم يحفر له في الأرض فيجعل فيه فيجاء بمنشار فيوضع على رأسه فيشق بثنتين. الله أكبر. النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم he said that men 
much before you. The people, the people, the disbelievers would dig a hole in the earth and put this believer, bury him up to his waist. And then they would bring a saw and he would be sawed in half. So they would bury him to his waist because obviously what's below the waist is already split in half. And then they would use the, the saw, a hand saw, not an electric saw, which would have done the job much easier, a hand saw. At the split of his head, and he would be sawed in half. And he would not be turned away from his deen. He would not give up on his deen and on his steadfastness in La ilaha illallah. وَيُمْشَطُ بِأَمْشَاطِ الْحَدِيدِ مَا دُونَ لَحْمِهِ مِنْ عَظْمٍ أَوْ عَصَبٍ And other believers, they would uh, be victims of a comb. يعني, they would be combed, believers, in the past. هذا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم is saying this to Khabbab. Believers would be combed with combs made of metal until it penetrates their skin. Reaching the flesh and the bone and the nerves. And this, this torture wouldn't be enough to make this believer abandon his deen and turn away from his deen, not even a blink of an eye. Allahu Akbar. For the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is saying to Khabbab, when, when the Nabi sallallahu says this, what is he saying to Khabbab? He's saying to him, you people haven't experienced anything. What you went through is nothing compared to the righteous believers of the past. And this is, يعني, it's right to say as well. What are people losing their faith on? What are people losing their faith on? A virus, a lockdown, the topic of the vaccine, and whatever it is. Hello, just a few tests, if not a few calamities. Like they're like compared to what we're just speaking about. The Khabbab was physically being tortured by Quraysh, and he's coming complaining to the messenger when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is telling him, until you're experiencing nothing compared to those in the past. For my brothers and sisters in Islam, we must wake up and act and think. As a believer, reflect over our texts. These texts, wallahi, they make things easier for us. Shani, shwayat lockdown, locked in your house for six weeks, for two months, for three months. And all of a sudden, this has become the biggest calamity in your life. Relax, my brothers and sisters in Islam. Say alhamdulillah, say alhamdulillah, ala kulli hal. Naam. So Allah he made calamities a part of the life of believers so that their hearts grow stronger and firm upon faith and iman. And this is why it's the heart of the believer that is weighed on the day of judgment. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, يَأْتِ الرَّجُلُ السَّمِينِ الْبَدَنْ لَا يَزَنُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ جَنَاحَ بَعُوضَةً That a fat, big man would come on the day of judgment and he will not even weigh the weight of a wing of a mosquito in the sight of Allah Even though he's fat and he's big, he wouldn't weigh 
a wing of a mosquito. Why? Why is that? Because Allah Azza wa does not weigh the bodies. He weighs the hearts. He weighs the hearts. And this is where Al-Iman is. This is where the Taqwa is. And this is found in the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. That Ibn Mas'ud was a skinny man. A sahabi radiallahu anhu is a skinny man. And one day he was climbing a tree. And the wind, you know, like the wind sort of moved his lower garment. And so the companions, they saw his thin legs and they laughed. said to them, What are you laughing about? They said, Ya Rasulullah, because, because of his skinny and thin legs. So Nabi said, By Allah, in the sight of Allah and on the scale on the day of judgment, they would weigh heavier than the mountain of Uhud. You see, I tell you, the believer is weighed by his heart, by his iman. And so calamities are a moment in where our iman is supposed to increase. So understand, my brothers and sisters in Islam, if you are serious in your journey towards Allah, you will be tested, no doubt. So prepare yourself from now. There's no escape from calamities. Even at the time of death, our last moment on earth is a calamity in itself. Allah says, فَأَصَابَتْكُمْ مُصِيبَةُ الْمَوْتِ Allah referred to death as a calamity. And it's a difficult and it's a tough moment. And there are pains. May Allah Azza wa make it easy upon us. For there is no escape from calamities. Even the last moment on earth is a moment of calamity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, He said, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ We will surely test you. Why did he tell us that? Why? Why did Allah inform us that he will test us? So that we are prepared. So that when the test comes, we are not shocked. Because Allah had already told us he'll test us. Now, you know, for example, if I was a teacher and I walked in a classroom and I said to the students, we have an exam today for everything we've studied. They're all in shock. No one told us. We're not prepared. But imagine I told the students, in a week from now, you will have an exam for everything we've taken. When next week comes, the students are not shocked if I was to say to them, here's the exam paper. Because they've been preparing. And I've already informed them. So Allah has already informed us in the Quran. We will test you. We will surely test you. Meaning don't be shocked when the test comes. Whether it's a lockdown. Whether it's a loss of job, a loss of income, a loss of business, whether it's being affected by the sickness or the pain of corona or any other illness or disease or sickness, don't be shocked. Then Allah already told us he'll test us. And we've already, as believers, we're supposed to be preparing for the tests. How do we prepare? By knowing they're coming, by learning the reward behind them, by learning the kind of patience we're supposed to have towards these calamities. Now, so my brothers and sisters in Islam, let me now share to you some words of wisdom and advice of a Sahaba, of a Salaf, rahimahumullah, concerning 
what to do in times of intense calamity. Look, and I am aware as well, and here message directed to my brothers and sisters in Islam, specifically in Sydney, and wherever this may be also true, I'm aware of people's concerns at the governments and how the government has been handling this coronavirus ordeal that comes with the lockdowns and the delayed rollouts of vaccines and whatever it is that has contributed to such a calamity. And I'm also aware at how uh, this matter has been handled by police and how, had it, had it has, how this matter has been policed in public, even in the homes of people. You know, in some instances, we have witnessed brutality, violence and oppression coming from those in authority against the people they are supposed to be protecting. We absolutely condemn this. This is uncalled for. And we don't require this. Things are intense on both sides. And as a result, this is the chaos we have. But I said to you, the believer is a degree above everyone else in his intellect, in the way he thinks. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided us on what to do when these times come. When we are experiencing oppression and aggression from people in authority and those who are supposed to protect us, what are we supposed to do during this time? Listen to the word of Imam Al-Hasan Al-Basri Rahimahullah Ta'ala. Listen, listen. Words of advice, golden words. During the time of Al-Hasan Al-Basri, uh, people came to him complaining about the aggressive nature of their rulers and their leaders. And they sought his advice. What are we supposed to do? So he said to them, listen carefully. لو أن الناس إذا ابتلوا من قبل سلطانهم بشيء فدعوا الله أو شك الله أن يرفع عنهم البلاء ولكنهم فزعوا إلى السيف فوكلوا إليه الله أكبر الحسن البصري he said if the people were to be tested by those by their leaders and their leaders and, their, and those in authority, if the people were to be tested, whether it's the corruption that is coming from above or aggression or abuse or oppression, whatever it is, they were tested by their rulers. Da'awallah, <sighs> they raised, if the people were to raise their hand and make a dua, it is almost certain that Allah would lift this calamity and lift this oppression and aggression away from them. However, people resorted to the sword. People resorted to means and ways of violence. So Allah let them be. Allah's protection and his help was not with them. Since they resorted to matters of violence, Allah did not give them victory. Al-Hasan al-Basri rahimahullah is teaching us that in these times, Relax and make dua to Allah. Engage in your worship. And dua is a reason for why Allah removes calamities and oppression away from you. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he said, It is the most beneficial medicine that we have. It is the enemy of calamities. And it pushes it away. And if the calamity was to come down upon a person, a dua lessens it until it pushes it all away.
And then Al-Hassan Al-Basri, Rahimahullah, he brought an ayah from the Quran that is Dalil to what he said. Yani, yani, and to very, very careful, understand. Resorting to matters of violence and vandalism is not going to solve this corruption and it is not going to solve this calamity. Allah Azza wa Jal, he said in the Quran, وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ الْحُسْنَى عَلَىٰ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ بِمَا صَبَرُوا وَدَمَّرْنَا مَا كَانَ يَصْنَعُ فِرْعَوْنُ وَقَوْمُهُ وَمَا كَانُوا يَعْرِشُونَ Allah Azza wa Jal, he said that Allah's decree was fulfilled upon Bani Israel because of their patience. What was the decree of Allah? You see in Surah Al-Qasas, Allah Azza wa Jal, he said, وَنُرِيدُ أَنَّمُنَّ عَلَى الَّذِينَ اسْتُضْعِفُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَنَجْعَلَهُمْ أَئِمَّةً وَنَجْعَلَهُمُ الْوَارِثِينَ Allah Azza wa Jal's decree was that he wanted to elevate Bani Israel and he wanted to favor them and he wanted to make them in authority and he wanted to make them leaders and imams. So Allah Azza wa Jal fulfilled this decree and he made them such after they were weak and humiliated by Fir'aun. But how? How did Allah give them victory and superiority over everyone? He said, Bima sabaru, because of their patience, their patience upon the worship, patience away from the sin, patience upon the calamities that Allah sent upon them. And then the outcome with Fir'aun, Allah said, And we destroyed Fir'aun and his plots, and his plans, and his oppression, all of that was gone. And everything that Fir'aun and his army and his people were building. For the idea is, when we are being faced by oppression and corruption, coming from those above, we are supposed to have sabr, and not resort to means of violence. Sabr, and what is sabr? So that you can understand correctly. Sabr is a few things. Number one, the first meaning of sabr in times of calamity is to commit upon your deen, upon your prayers, upon your fasting, your dua, your Quran, your dhikr, your sadaqat, charities, all of the good that we know, al-a'mal al-salihah, that we commit and be firm upon them. This is the first meaning of sabr and the first type of sabr in times of calamity. Look at the case of uh, Musa alayhi salam, as we said, that his people were patient. طيب, how did Musa alayhi salam direct his people? What did he tell them to do? He said to them, قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ إِسْتَعِينُوا بِاللَّهِ وَاصْبِرُوا He said, O people, seek help from Allah and be patient. إِنَّ الْأَرْضِ The land, the earth, لِلَّهِ It's for Allah. يُورِثُهَا مَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ he inherits it to whoever he wants of his servants. And the final outcome is always for the believers. The end result, the good end result, will always, always, no matter how long it took, will be for the believers. Musa he said to his people, when they were, of course, were not, they were prohibited from praying in congregation together, he said to them, Make your houses a qibla, make them a masjid, salat and establish the prayers. This is sabr in the times of fitan and calamity. 
times of oppression and corruption. This is a sabr. A sabr upon your prayers and upon your deen, commitment upon your deen. Wallah, my brothers and sisters in Islam, has your commitment to a deen increased during this calamity more than it was before or not? If it's increased, you should find peace and tranquility in that. If it hasn't, and your deen has gone backwards, and your worship has gone backwards, and you've set yourself for loss. Because you're going through the calamity, whether you like it or not, you're going to go through it. Whether you like it or not, you're going to go through this corruption and oppression, whether you like it or not. And the only thing is you haven't benefited. Let me, you did not increase in your worship and in your ibadah. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Al-ibadatu fil harj The worship during times of fitan, it's like a migration to me. Ya'ani Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is highlighting the importance of the worship during times of fitan and calamities to the point where he said, Al-ibadah fil harj. Worship in times of fitan. That means... That means that has a separate reward. Worship in times of fitan, it's like a hijrah to me. You know what does that mean? It means, you know, when you when you migrate to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if we were speaking about the early time, migration to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam means you left the land of kufr, which was Mecca, because that's where shirk was being established. That's where it was being practiced. Leaving the land of kuffar, to go to Rasulullah sallallahu the land of Islam. So worshipping Allah in times of fitan, it's as though you've left al-kufr, you've left the evil, you've left the corruption and the oppression and the fitan, and you went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa meaning worship in times of fitan is as though you are with Rasulullah, meaning you are saved from the fitan. Your iman is protected. It's like you are next to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How safe would you feel? How protected would you feel if you were right beside the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Experience this meaning as you increase your worship to Allah during this time of fitna, during this time of oppression. Now, subhanallah, and just like Ashab al-Kahf, the people of the cave, when the fitna was too much upon them, and their iman was being threatened, they ran away. They ran away from society. They went into a cave just so that their deen is not harmed. And يعني, they were lost. What are we going to do? But Allah looked after them and caused them to sleep for 900 or 309 years plus. 300 years plus they slept. That's Allah's care for people who care about their deed, who care about their iman. Now, you might not be able to run away and leave your house and go somewhere else. That's not something convenient for everyone. Not everyone can simply pack up and move away. But we, what we can do is increase our worship. And increasing your worship in times of fitan, it's as though you have migrated to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yani al-ibadah in times of fitan is a safe haven. It's a protection for the believer. Oh Wallahi, my brothers and sisters in Islam, Wallah, le Wallahi, even if it's the day of judgment. You know, because people are very anxious. 
thinking that tomorrow is the day of judgment. Halas is going to happen. No much. I cannot hold. I cannot bear. Tomorrow. Even if tomorrow was the day of judgment, what do you do? What are you supposed to do? Didn't Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, إِذَا قَامَتِ السَّاعَةِ وَفِي يَدِ أَحَدِكُمْ فَسِيلَةِ فَلْيَغْرِسْهَا Didn't Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say in the authentic hadith that if the hour was happening, let's say, let's say the hour was happening, there's the sun and the moon, they collided, جُمِعَ الشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا النُّجُومُ وَإِذَا النُّجُومُ كَدَرَتْ And there's this, the, 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 the stars lost its color and they're falling. Let's say all these events took place. What are we supposed to do? Nabi says, if the hour was to happen, and if in your hand was a seedling, you had a, a little plant, a, a seedling. Fasila is a seedling, meaning not a seed, but a seed that has already grown into a small plant. Nabi said, if you had that in your hand, put it in the floor, bury it in the earth. What does that mean? Meaning, do a good deed. Do a good deed. Even if the hour was being established, worship Allah, do a good deed. Don't run around in chaos, all anxious and worried. What am I supposed to do? Hada, this is what is destroying us because we're not thinking as believers. We're not reading the word of Allah. We're not reflecting over the word of Allah. So people are in all sorts of chaos. People are confused. And people are turning, people are turning to the news to add more to their anxiety when they are thinking that they're getting more direction and more guidance. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. Ya Wallahi, my brothers and sisters in Islam, until you understand that our guidance is from the Quran or Sunnah, you will never be guided. You will always remain anxious. You will always remain worried. And we cannot do anything for that. No one can do anything for you. وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ فَإِذَا Patience in the time of fitan, whether this fitna is oppression and corruption coming from those above towards you, الصبر, the first thing we're supposed to do is الصبر على الطاعة Patience upon the worship of Allah لَحَتَّى وَاللَّهِ يعني, You know, listen to this beautiful hadith that gives us the teaching of how firm you are supposed to be upon your deen. Ali radiallahu anhu, uh, this is, يعني, he narrates this hadith. He said that the uh, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to me one night, Ali and Fatima are in their home one night, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to visit them. He came to visit them because before this, uh, Fatima radiallahu anha, she had went to Rasulullah sallallahu house and she was requesting a slave. She wanted a slave so that this slave can help her do the house chores, work at home. She didn't find the Nabi وسلم, so she went home. Then the Nabi وسلم, Khadija, uh, Aisha radiallahu anha told the Nabi وسلم, that your daughter came looking for you and she didn't find you. So the Nabi وسلم, went that night to Ali and Fatima radiallahu anha. And he said to them, uh, <clears throat> shall I teach you something that is better for you than a slave. Shall I teach you something that you're supposed to say before you sleep? They said, yes. He said to them, say subhanallah 33 times. Alhamdulillah 33 times. Allahu Akbar 34 times. So that's a hundred times. Ali radiallahu anhu, he said, 
I never left them since the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught me. I'm coming to my point, listen. So a man said to him, Wala You didn't even leave them in the night of Sufin? He said, not even on the night of Sufin, I abandoned this dhikr. Can do you know what Sufin is? The Ma'rakat Sufin, or Laylat Sufin, is the battle of Sufin. It is a war that happened between Ali and Muawiyah. May Allah Azza wa Jalla be pleased with all of the companions. We're not getting into this argument. But that surely is a huge fitna that happened in this Ummah. When Ali عنه, was, يعني, uh, there was a war between him and Muawiyah. That was a fitna. Even on that night, he did not abandon. Subhanallah, 33. Alhamdulillah, 33. Allahu Akbar, 34 times. What does that teach you? That teaches you firmness and steadfastness upon the worship of Allah, even during times of fitna. So where are you going to run away? Where are you going to run away? How will you disagree with what I'm saying? How will you dare to make what I'm saying inferior and something not worth listening to and not worth adhering to? I am sharing with you words from the Quran, words from Sunnah al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and actions of the companions. We are living in times of fitan. I said to you whether this fitna is corruption or oppression that is happening from those above us. Whatever it is, the only solution is a sabr now, because that's the only thing we have. A sabr first meaning is to commit upon your deen and be steadfast and firm. As intense as the fitna was, do not forget your deen. Allahu Akbar. The second meaning of sabr in a time of fitan and calamities is to keep away from sins. To keep away from sins, whether these sins are words or actions. And Nu'man ibn Bashir al-Ansari, radiyallahu anhu, he said, إِنَّ الْهَلَكَةَ كُلَّ الْهَلَكَةَ أَن تَعْمَلَ السَّيِّئَاتِ فِي زَمَنِ الْبَلَاءِ Allahu Akbar. He said, the biggest destruction, the biggest destruction is to commit sins during the time of calamities. Allahu Akbar. In a time of calamity, where you're supposed to be rigorous in your worship and heavy in your worship and you're doing a sin. That is the worst of the people. That's the biggest destruction. The calamity is supposed to wake you up and revive your iman and nourish your deen and your relationship with Allah. It is a moment in where Allah loves the servant because when the calamities intensify on a servant, this is a sign of Allah's love for him. So love him back. Love him back. And worship him. Exhaust yourself in worship. If in that time you're committing a sin, that, that's the worst of people to commit a sin in a time of calamity. That means you didn't understand what the purpose of a calamity was. You didn't understand what to do in a time of a calamity. And keeping away from sin, meaning it means, because what are sins? Sins are to abandon the obligation. So if you're abandoning a salat, you're abandoning your obligations, you're not praying in time, this is a sin. 
Meaning this is the biggest destruction in the time of fitr. Sins are to commit the prohibitions. Whether it is to take a drug so it can calm you down, or whatever it is you're doing of al-haram. Keep away from all of this, because this absolutely goes against the concept of a sabr Remember, Allah gave victory to Bani Israel, to the oppressed of Bani Israel, because of their patience. And their victory came 40 years later, 40 years after. Yani, there needs to be patience as well in how Allah Azza would respond to us. Now, subhanAllah, also my brothers and sisters in Islam, uh, keep away, keep away from the fitan to protect your deen. To protect your Iman in times of fitan, keep away from the fitna. Don't join with a word or a share or a like. Don't share the fitna at all. Keep as far away you can from the fitan. Why? Lana Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna sa'ida lamanjunnibal fitan. He said that the happy, satisfied person is the one who avoids the fitna. He stays away from it altogether. The further you are from a fitna, the happier and the more content and pleased you are. This is a hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says in another hadith, that when the fitan come, the one that um, uh, walks during the fitan, uh, or he said the one, يعني, uh, the one that walks is better than the one that runs. The one that sits is better than the one that stands and so on. Yani the idea is the slower and the further away you are from the fitan, the happier you are. He said it three times. The happy, satisfied person is the one who avoids the fitna, stays away from it altogether. Do not contribute in the fitna, not a single word. Except if you're going to advise the people, to come back to their deen. And this is a must. This is required. This is min al-amr bil-ma'roof. Commanding the good, enjoining the good. But do not participate in the fitna with a single word. Stay away. Keep away. I don't care what this fitna is. Lain hadith al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is very broad and general. Liman junniba al-fitan. All the fitan. The happy person is the one who remains far away from all the fitan. Even, even a like. Don't press a like button for a fitna. Don't share a fitna. Don't even share it with your wife or your husband or your children. Don't even share it with your family. Nothing. Don't even bring it to your house. If you find that the TV is a fitna, turn it off. Turn it off and stop watching. Keep away. The further away you are from the fitan, the happier and more content you would be. Had Rasulullah saying this. Now, my brothers and sisters in Islam, also from يعني, the meanings of al-fitan, uh, from the meanings of patience, how do we be patient in times of uh, fitan and calamity? Let me speak exactly here. Patience when being confronted by obnoxious, arrogant, abusive police. And I've seen this happen. And the community has seen it. And they have addressed their concerns and their frustration. But once again, without the guidance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa without the guidance of the Qur'an, 
everyone just throws out words he wants. Everyone's got his own opinion. Oh, subhanallah, you find most of the people that give opinions, let there's no ayah, there is no hadith, there is no reference to all of this whatsoever. Allahu Akbar. Yeah, Muslims, what do you think you're living? You're a true Muslim. If you're a true Muslim, you go back to the Quran and Sunnah. If you don't know, you speak to the people that have knowledge about the Quran and Sunnah and they direct you. طيب, how do we be patient when we are confronted by arrogant, abusive police? And I want to make something clear here that many, many police around the world are doing a good job to maintain peace and to maintain safety in their community, right? And yani, this is good and this is appreciated. And we thank them for this. But there is a handful and this handful seems to be always growing, that are arrogant, abusive, obnoxious. Even, even uh, governments don't agree with them. And if they are caught and they are taken to court and they are sued, they will get jailed. How many police have we seen around the world that have been jailed for their corruption and their abuse? This is something real and it is happening. Police brutality is something real. Not only from a Muslim's perspective that we see or society's perspective. This is governments that are holding these people to account and throwing them in prison. Prisoned for life, jailed for life, stripping them from their role because they are not fulfilling their role. And that is to protect society and to protect the people and to serve the people. Unfortunately, sometimes... And in many instances now, and the cases are growing around the world, that's all we see, police brutality upon its people. So as a Muslim, as a Muslim, how do we deal with an arrogant, corrupt, abusive police that presents himself to me? Patience, my brothers and sisters in Islam, is not to shut your mouth and get slapped across the face. I'm not speaking about that. Patience is to stand for your rights, defend yourself, but do it in an Islamic, peaceful matter. Allah Azza wa Jal, He says in the Quran, وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا When Allah Azza wa Jal described the uh, attributes of the believers, He said, إِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ When the arrogant, obnoxious, Hateful people address them when they address the believer, these abusive people when they address the believers. Allah told us how the believer responds. Qalu salama. They say salama. Now salama, it doesn't mean say assalamu alaikum. Salaman means they respond with peace. They respond bikalamin yusallimuhum minal adha wa dhunub. They respond with words that saves them from harm and saves them from sin. Find words that will save you from this corrupt person's harm. Find words that will save you from sins as well. This is how you're supposed to respond to abusive people no matter who it is. And to hateful, arrogant, obnoxious people. Qalu salama. Say words that will save you from his harm. Naam. A'rid 'anil jahilin. 
Turn away from the ignorant, foolish people. Don't give them a minute of your time. Respond. Stand for your rights. But don't forsake Islamic manners. Yani, I give you a hadith. Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, he narrated that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا يكن أحدكم إمعه Don't be a blind follower. What does a blind follower mean? And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, it means, don't have this mindset of إن أحسن الناس أحسننا وإن أساء وأساءنا that if the people are good to us, we'll be good back. And if people are unjust and bad to us, we're going to be unjust and bad to them. La, don't have this mindset. That's a blind follower. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, the believer should be, he said, وَطِّنُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ وَطِّنُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Meaning, decide for yourself. إِنْ أَحْسَنَ النَّاسِ أَحْسَنَّا If people do good to us, we'll do good. وَإِنْ أَسَاءُوا And if they do evil to us, فَلَا تَظْلِمُوا do not be unjust. Don't do wrong. Speak words that would save you, that would save you from his harm and would save you from sins as well. Look in an instance in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A group of Jews came to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Listen, listen to how hateful and arrogant these people were. And they said, Assamu alaykum. May poison be upon you, Ya Rasulullah. But they laughed among each other because they thought that they can mock and insult Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Assam sounds like Assalam, but there's a difference. Assam means may poison be upon you. Assalam means may the peace of Allah be upon you. So they said may poison be upon you. So when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, how did he respond to this rudeness and arrogance? He said, Wa alaykum and upon you. What does that mean? That means, and upon you. He did not say, and upon you is the poison. He said, and upon you. Meaning, and upon you is what you just said to me. Poison. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she was frustrated. So she said, May the poison and Allah's curse be upon you all. Allahu Akbar. Fannabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Mah ya Aisha. He said to her, relax, relax ya Aisha. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الرِّفْقَ فِي الْأُمُورِ كُلِّهَا Allah loves kindness and peace in all matters. Then Aisha رضي الله عنها, she said, أَلَمْ تَسْمَعْ مَا قَالُوا Didn't you hear what, what they said? He said, yes. And I said, وَعَلَيْكُمْ And upon you. But I did it. Look, look at the difference. Yani he's not disagreeing with what Aisha is saying. We're not disagreeing with you. We're not disagreeing with you in terms of how an abusive policeman or a person should be treated. But there's, there's a world of a difference between how Aisha responded and how Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam responded. Aisha cursed them directly. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam cursed them indirectly. But look at the difference. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam kept himself calm and relaxed. Whereas Aisha radiallahu anha showed her frustration and her anger. But there's a difference. Stand for yourself. But قَالُوا سَلَامًا Speak peaceful words that keep you away. Keep you away from the harm of that person. Isn't, isn't it also known in our deen that um, if a person swore at you or cursed you or abused you when you were fasting, the sunnah is to say and move away. I'm fasting, I'm fasting. I'm, I want to preserve my fast so I don't want to do anything and move away. 
وحتى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يعني just so you can understand this as well further uh, a man comes to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and seeks permission to enter upon Rasulullah. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam realized who it is. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Bi'sa akhul ashira. Yani, what a horrible person this person is. What a horrible man he is. Hakim Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in his house before he saw, before the person came in. So when the person came in, falamma dakhala alayhi, aqbala alayhi biwajih. When the person came in, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spoke to him in a polite manner and he smiled to him. And when this person left, uh, Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, yeah, she's confused. She said, Ya Rasulullah, you said, What an evil, horrible man this is. And when he walked in and you were face to face, you smiled at him, you spoke to him, to him with manners and respect. Well, what, what, what's happening now? How come this happened? فالنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم said يا عائشة إن من شرار الناس من يتقى لشره He said O oh, عائشة The worst people are those whom the people desert The worst people are those who the people leave them in order to save themselves from their transgression and aggression يعني النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم acknowledged that this person that was about to enter is a filthy man, is a horrible man. But النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم did not face him with aggression. النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم smiled with him. قالوا سلاما. Here النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم is implementing قالوا سلاما. He said words so that he can save himself from this guy's transgression. So this is what we're supposed to do. said the worst people are those who people leave, meaning leave to save yourself from his transgression and abuse and oppression and hatred and hatred. Now, if I leave these people, leave them. If you're ever faced by an abusive policeman or anyone, just say words that are calm and peaceful just to save yourself from his transgression. And from his oppression, there is no harm in doing that. That's the Islamic way. And then, on top of all this, I know, I know that when any the brothers or when people face the aggressive police with aggression, right, and they swear and they raise their voice and they want to hit and punch and so on, I know they do that because they don't want to feel intimidated or humiliated. So. Um, they fight. But let me tell you something and understand this. A believer is never humiliated. Never ever is a believer humiliated. A believer is always honored in the sight of Allah Azzawajal. And look at the case of Yusuf alayhi salam. When the woman, Imra'atul uh, Aziz, the wife of Al-Aziz, wanted to imprison uh, Yusuf alayhi salam, she said, I am certainly going to prison him. Then she said, and he will be from among the humiliated. You see, she said, There's a double noon. I will surely, surely prison him. And she verified this claim. And then she said, and he will be humiliated. But she didn't sort of, she didn't uh, emphasize it. 
ولا يكون she didn't say ولا يكونن من الصاغرين he will definitely be humiliated she said and he will be humiliated why why didn't she uh, emphasize it because she knows a believer cannot be humiliated no matter what happened to him and understand that Allah Azza wa Jal from his blessings upon the believer is that anyone who intends to harm him Allah Azza wa Jal has promised him severe punishment Allah Azza wa Jal he said وَمَنْ يُرِدْ فِيهِ بِإِلْحَادٍ بِظُلْمٍ نُذِقْهُ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Allah Azza wa Jal said if anyone intends to do wrong in the sacred land of Allah in Mecca anyone who intends to do wrong in Mecca Allah would give him a severe punishment and the believer is more honored than the Kaaba so that means anyone who intends to harm the believer he didn't do anything yet if he only intended to harm the believer Allah has promised that person a severe punishment Allah has defended you Allah has defended you before this abusive cop even touched you be with Allah and adhere to Islamic manners and conduct and don't lose your Islamic manners for anyone and don't let anyone intimidate you whatsoever and don't let anyone be a reason for why you lose your Islamic manners and then also know we're believers we know that Yawmul Qiyamah is coming the day of judges the day of justice will be established and everyone will be given justice so if you're being abused in this life and you couldn't do anything on that day your rights are going to be coming in full justice will be served said to us a horned sheep if it was to knock over an unhorned sheep Allah would raise them on the day of judgment and he will allow the unhorned sheep to take its right and its justice from the horned sheep. Even imagine with believers, imagine with human beings, how intense and how emphasized is justice going to be on that day. Wallah, so when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Inna allaha yu'adhibu alladheena yu'adhibuna al-nasa fi dunya Allah will punish those who punish the people in this life. So we're all in good hands. Just turn to Allah in dua that he keep you firm and steadfast upon your Islamic conduct and manners. And look at the case of Fir'aun and Musa. You know, who was Fir'aun for Musa? Fir'aun is a person who hurt Musa alayhi salam's mother. Who hurt Musa alayhi salam. Fir'aun is a person who enslaved the people of Musa and he killed the baby boys every second year. How arrogant and how oppressive was Fir'aun towards Musa. Yet, when Musa was commanded by Allah to go to Fir'aun, you can just imagine if you were in that position and you knew someone had hurt you that much, wouldn't you just want to rip his head off? You might have this feeling. Everyone might have this feeling. <clears throat> like what did Musa salam do? Allah said, Speak to him soft words. Deliver the message. Because at the end of the day, the Muslim, 
his higher purpose on earth isn't to defend himself. The higher purpose, even though that's important, and if you defend yourself, that's nobility, no problems. But higher than that is to defend the deen of Allah and to deliver the message of Allah. That's higher. So Musa alayhi salam behaves himself in front of Fir'aun, the oppressor, and he discusses with him words. Now, and the story is there. It's found in Surah Al-Shara. Go and look at it and see exactly how Musa السلام, was focused on the message to deliver the message of Islam. And then after that, يعني, so the idea what I'm saying is uh, if this arrogant policeman was to come, look here, behind your gates, you want to swear you hate him, do that as much as you can, no problems, as much as you want, it doesn't matter. But when you're face to face, calm yourself down, calm yourself down. Say words that will finish you off from this person's aggression and his harm. Take the fine, take whatever it is. If you feel like this is unjust and it's wrong, go and face it with the court. Go and sue him. You can do that. That's also a part of patience. No problems. I told you patience isn't to just sit down and get, you know, uh, get slapped left, right and center and be abused and shut your mouth and not to say anything. No, that's a wrong meaning of, of, of patience. Stand for your right, but do so in a dignified fashion, in a noble manner, in a manner that is pleasing to Allah. Uh, also, my brothers and sisters in Islam, in this time of fitan and calamities, patience, patience also means to be patient upon the pain that is experienced as a result of this calamity, as a result of this fitna. Be patient upon the pain and seek help from Allah and seek Allah's reward. So, you know, this emotional pain of anxiety, depression, and stress, these are pains. But, you know, if you are patient, Allah Azza rewards you for every moment of stress you experience. And for every moment of fee you experience and you remain patient upon it, Allah Azza rewards you. Now, every moment of stress and fee and anxiety and depression and sadness and sorrow and grief, if you were to seek Allah's reward for it, if you were to seek Allah's reward for this pain, then this becomes a moment of reward. And when you know it's a moment of reward, it helps you continue in your patience upon this pain that is felt. This is a moment of purification. This pain you experience, wallahi, it does not go to waste. It is a moment that Allah is purifying your sins. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said even, even the emotional distress that a person would experience in a time of calamity, Allah azza wa would wipe away his sins, purify him and cleanse him from his sins. Allahu Akbar, patience is everything my brothers and sisters in Islam. Patience is half of faith. Patience, al-sabru nisful iman. And the other half is a shukr, gratitude to Allah. Don't lose your patience. What are you going to lose it? Because of a, a virus or a vaccine or a lockdown? Like, yeah, I mean, be intelligent. Like, be smart. 
wake up. We're not supposed to live on this earth forever. We're going. Wallahi, the one who remained patient and kept away from al-fitan, closed his eyes, turned away from the fitan, turn away, turn away. Don't, don't discuss al-fitan. Not a word. Not a word. Sabr will be patient over the pains you're experiencing. And be, be with Allah. Be with Allah. Allah will be with you. And trust the qadr of Allah. Trust the qadr. Be patient upon the qadr of Allah. Whether you like it or not, this calamity is here. It's with us now. Allahu alam how long it will last. And what is coming. Lakin the believer is positive, optimistic. Bi'ithnillah, Allah azza wa jal would remove this calamity. He would move it away. Bi'ithnillah ta'ala, he would. But be patient, be patient. You know, if you lose your patience and you're not patient and you're frustrated and you're this and you're that and you want to participate with fitan and, and then when the fitna goes away and when, when this calamity goes away, what a waste. You wasted pure reward you could have earned if you had been uh, patient because the, the, the calamity, everyone's going through it. Everyone's going through it. So hold yourself, hold yourself. Be patient. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, As-sabru inda sadmati al-ula, that patience that is accepted is the patience from the first strike of calamity. After the calamity, it's very easy to be patient. Then there's nothing to be patient for. But the patience is at the strike of calamity. Now, now, right now, in the middle of this calamity, in the middle of this lockdown, the pandemic, or whatever it is that is happening, now patience is required. As-sabr, accepted patience, inda sadmati al-ula, when it first strikes. Now, Alhamdulillah, my brothers and sisters in Islam, this is just a small uh, calamity. It's nowhere compared to the big calamities that people of the past experienced concerning their deen and their faith. And a bigger, much intense calamity is still awaiting to come. And that is, as we said, fitna to Dajjal. Fitna of Dajjal is coming. What are you going to do then? What are you going to do then? It's just a little fitna of, and a little calamity of a lockdown and, and, and so on. People couldn't handle and people have lost their brains and their minds over. What are, they, what are you going to do when a Dajjal comes out? When everything would be in his control by Allah's permission? Food, rain, gold. Hatta believers won't have any food to eat. Was Sahaba, they said, Ya Rasulullah, what would be the food of the believers? He said to them, Alhamdulillah, Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar, words of dhikr would be their food. Meaning they would be occupied with dhikrillah so much that they forget about their food and their, their body needs and what their, their, their bodily needs. Are we ready? Are we ready to, fit, to, to, to meet and, 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 and uh, yani, ready for that day? If we were to witness it, May Allah save us. May Allah save us. This is why every time in our tahiyat, we say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min fitnati, uh, uh, min adhab al-qabr, wa min fitnati al-dajjal. Fit, save me, protect me, min fitnati al-dajjal, wa min fitnati al-mahya wal-mamat. And from all the fitan of this life, and the fitan of death, and what comes with death of fitan, naam. Wa min fitnati al-masih al-dajjal. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min adhab al-nar, wa min adhab al-qabr, 
ومن فتنة المحيا والممات ومن فتنة المسيح الدجال every day we're doing this ذكر isn't it enough so many times you repeat it isn't it enough to teach you that since you're asking Allah protection from fitan that it only makes sense to keep away from fitan and you know there is this uh, freedom protest that is being organized هذا freedom fitna protest keep away from it keep away from al-fitan keep away from the fitan we're not here to discuss whether protests are permissible in islam or not that's a long discussion that requires time we're not ready to discuss this here but for what i can advise this thing that muslims plan to go to called the freedom rally or whatever it is that has already happened in in the streets of sydney and melbourne and wherever it is happening in the world keep away هذه فتنة. and remember السعيد انما السعيد لمن جنب الفتن happiness is for the one who keeps away from الفتن نعم والحمد لله my brothers and sisters in islam my final word of advice i leave you with a dua that rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to make when things are very confusing and when people don't know the right from the wrong he used to stress upon the importance of this dua and he used to continuously make this dua it is a dua that best to make it in a time of quietness when things around you are peaceful and tranquil in the last third of the night when the heart when the body has rested and the heart has awakened awakened for the sake of allah and nothing else because this the last third of the night is a sincere night nothing wakes you up except for allah at night you know there's no there's nothing to do of the worldly affairs in the night and last third of the night so the one who wakes up is really sincere with allah so get up at that time and repeat this dua every night repeat it repeat it repeat it repeat it repeat it until Allah's guidance and direction comes to you and you will see exactly clearly what's right from what's wrong and that is the dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in where he teaches us to say Allahumma rabba jibreela wa mikaela wa israfeel fatir as-samawati wal ard alim al-ghaybi wa shahada anta tahkumu bayna ibadika fima kanu fihi yakhtalifun اهدني لما اختلف فيه من الحق بإذنك فإنك تهدي من تشاء إلى صراط مستقيم هذا هو الدعاء You're asking O oh Allah the Lord of Jibreel the Lord of Mikael the Lord of Israfil فاطر السماوات والأرض You're the creator of the heavens and the earth عالم الغيب والشهادة You are the Noah of the unseen and the seen. Yani, yani, when you say this, you, all, you know how much comfort and peace it's supposed to inject in your heart? Well, in a time where you don't know the unseen, you see, you and I don't know the unseen. So you resort to the one who knows the unseen, to the one who knows what's right from what's wrong. And then you say, Anta tahkumu you, O oh Allah, you are the one who judges between the servants over whatever they are disagreeing upon. The servants, the people today are disagreeing upon a lot of things. 
They are disagreeing upon the coronavirus, upon the vaccine, upon the lockdown. Every single person in the corner wants to give an opinion. Even children want to give their opinion. Lakinil believer doesn't rush. Keep this silent. Don't rush. Go and make this dua. Say, Allah, you're the one who judges between your servants over whatever they were in disagreement about. And then at the end, ask, what do you want from Allah? You say, Ihdini, guide me. Ihdini min al Guide me to the truth by your permission. You're the one who guides anyone you want to the straight path. And the guidance is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes. Make this dua. And as we said, commit to the Quran. And even as I said to you that Surah Al-Kahf, Surah Al-Kahf, it's a surah known as Al-Awasim min Al-Fitan. It's a surah in where you will find your guidance that would save you from al-fitan. And you know, we know that the first 10 ayat will save you from the fitna of al-dajjal. The first 10 ayat saved from the greatest fitna, which is al-dajjal. You know why? The reason is found in the first ayah. Why are the 10, first 10 ayat of Surah Al-Kahf? Why are they powerful to save you from fitna al-dajjal? And any fitna that is less than fitna al-dajjal, the reason is in the first ayah. Alhamdulillah alladhi anzala ala abdihi al-kitab. It's because of the Qur'an. It's because of the Qur'an. And not only the Qur'an. Allah Azza wa said, All praise belongs to Allah who revealed the Qur'an upon his servant. Meaning the Qur'an alone is not enough. You need to understand this Qur'an with the understanding of Rasulullah. That's why Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned ala abdihi. Because Allah could have said, all praise belongs to Allah, the one who revealed the Qur'an. But Allah said, all praise belongs to Allah, the one who revealed the Qur'an upon his servant. Why did he mention upon his servant? So that you and I understand. Do not try to understand this Qur'an without the understanding of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Qur'an wa sunnat al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam come hand in hand to give us the best direction for guidance. وَنَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ Allah Azza wa said, We sent this Qur'an upon you, Ya Rasulullah, so that you can clarify to the people what was revealed to them. Because without Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's clarification and explanation, we will not understand anything. This is what saves you in Al-Fitan. Al-Qur'an. Al-Qur'an in light of Sunnatun Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. My brothers and sisters in Islam, Jazakumullahu khayran for your time. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us, to forgive our sins and our shortcomings, to accept our words of goodness and to forgive whatever we have said that is wrong. If I said anything wrong, that is from me and from a shaytan and Allah and his messenger are innocent from all this. And I ask Allah azza wa to forgive me and to, to guide me. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us all and to guide us all. Innahu waliyu thalika wal qadiru alayh. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.